Amen, amen. All right. I don't know what time it is. It's actually time for me to sit down. <laughs> because the man, the legend, the living legend, the walking epistle, the scholar, <laughs> the man of God, we know him, we love him, we appreciate him, we, we value him and his family, Pastor Anthony Bynum, ladies and gentlemen, bring the word, sir, let's go. Praise God, praise God, praise God. I feel like I should run out or something and do a cartwheel or something. He, he built it up too much. He built it up too much. Thank God for everybody. Thank God for everybody. I hope you're all good, excited. I'm very excited about this word um, that God has given and that he is going to minister. I I stand by and I definitely say he will minister this. Uh, thank God for everybody that's here. Um, but I'm appreciative because um, I'm kind of I'm kind of nervous, a little nervous about this message. Um, and I'm normally a little nervous before speaking, uh, but this message I'm a little more nervous than normal because of the weight of the message so not to build it up too much or too major but I'm praying that you get the revelation of what God is trying to do in your heart right now because this is a very important moment right before we shift into the new year and this particular message is right before we're all coming to give a seed so it's very important to understand what God is trying to do and so this message and I know we, we all have various things that we're going through right now right some things might be financial some things may be health related some things may be relationship related right some things may be you know a job that you needed or home that you're looking to get or a car that you're trying to secure or maybe it's just a loss that you've had recently, a divorce, a breakup, or something, anything that could be going on right now. This subject is such an important subject because this is the part that we in church all think we know. But we all tend to miss the meaning behind what we're going to talk about today. So I think pointing to all of those things that you have going on in your life. What I'm praying that God does is provide you scope and allows you to see that in order to get to that area that you need him to touch, he wants some obedience from you so that there can be a distinct line to get you what he wants you to have and what you desire. Now, Pastor, we didn't plan this or plot this out or anything, but he got up by unction of the Holy Spirit and went to Hebrews 12 and went through and talked to us about being children, sons and daughters of God and how God chastens them that he loves. Now, 
We all have different meanings of what that chastening is. You can keep playing, Ryan. Keep playing. We all have different meanings of what that chastening is. We all believe that we know. You know, if you grew up in my household, that was a butt whooping. Right? We didn't call it a spanking. You know, we called it a whooping. Whoop. <laughs> that was it. Okay? Not a popping. Not time out. All right? So that was in my household, but in your household, it could be anything. But we need to view God from a standpoint of father and from a standpoint of being a good father. Now, we all kind of fear the word discipline because we think chastening or discipline has to do with the whooping. Like he's got to beat you back in position. But I want to change your perspective on this because all he's trying to do is get you to line up. The Bible says in Psalm 23, it says that, that God will use his rod and his staff. But check out the next word it says, it will comfort. If the tool was used to beat you, why would it bring comfort? He's trying to get you in line. What the shepherds used to do is they would take the rod and then they would slightly edge the sheep who might be getting out of line back into safety. See, they didn't understand that there was a valley on the other side of that and they could fall to their death. They didn't know that there might have been a lion that was prowling or a wolf that was waiting to grab them. So the rod was used to beat off the enemy, but to keep you in line. So don't think of this as a conversation about a beating or a whooping. The chastening of the Lord is a loving gesture that's provided to you to steer you back into the appropriate position so that you can receive everything that God has for you. All right? All right. So now, given a little preliminary this discussion will be about giving giving is the discussion it's the topic and I know that this normally can be a curse word see the great thing about me is see I'm not on salary so I can get up here and I can say what I want about giving and y'all can't say nothing because y'all don't pay me nothing I don't get nothing for this okay and although Pastor Jermaine is my homeboy, my brother. I'm not doing this to put anything in his pocket or, or, or Ashley's pocket. I'm actually doing this because God told me that this is the way to get you to what you've been asking him for. And as we come into this new year, you're asking God to do some things specifically. And some of you are not just asking, you're pleading. You're saying, I need this now more than ever. And if I don't have it, I don't know how I'm going to make it in 2020. And so what he's saying is, I heard you. I just need to get you back in line. And that's all he's trying to do. He's not trying to browbeat you. That's why he calls it cheerful giving. He's not trying to press you or make you do something off of compulsion. He's not trying to create a requirement and giving you a debt or a bill. He's trying to get your heart posture 
in a position to receive from him. Amen. Amen. All right. All right. All right. So we are going to go to the word of God. And everybody, if you can, if you have something, and, and Tristan, if you can, Tristan, if you can pull up. That's it. So we're going to go to Luke chapter 16. And this is the Passion Translation. Pastor Jay turned me on to this. And I haven't been able to let it go since he turned me on to it. But I think that it's a, a great place to start. So we're going to talk about giving. If, if there's a title or a topic, this is going to be called I Am Giver. Okay? All right? I Am Giver. Okay? All right. All right. All right. So now. Appreciate it, Ryan. So now. Now, let's read. Jesus taught his disciples using this story. There was once a very rich man who hired a manager to run his business and oversee all of his wealth. But soon, a rumor spread that the manager was wasting his master's money. Next. So the master called him in and said, is it true that you are mismanaging my estate? You need to provide me with a complete audit of everything you oversee for me. I've decided to dismiss you. Next. The manager thought, now what am I going to do? I'm finished here. I can't hide what I've done, and I'm too proud to beg to get my job back. Look at this guy. Next. I have an idea that will secure my future. It will win me favor and secure friends who can take care of me and help me when I get fired. Next. So the dishonest manager hatched his scheme. He went to everyone who owed his master money, one by one, one by one, and he asked them, how much do you owe my master? Next. One debtor owed $20,000, so he said to him, let me see your bill. Pay me now, and we'll settle for 20% less. The clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by 20%. And to another who owed $200,000, he said, pay me now and we'll reduce your bill by 50%. And the clever manager scratched out the original amount owed and reduced it by half. Even though his master was defrauded, when he found out about the shrewd way this manager had feathered his own nest, he congratulated the clever scoundrel for what he had done to lay up for his future needs. Jesus continued, remember this, the sons of darkness are more shrewd than the sons of light in their interaction with others. It is important that you use the wealth of this world to demonstrate your friendship with God by winning friends and blessing others. Then, when this world fa fails and falls apart, your generosity will provide you with an eternal reward. Next. The one who manages the little he has been given with faithfulness and integrity will be promoted and trusted with greater responsibilities. But those who cheat with the little they have been given will not be considered trustworthy to receive more. If you have not handled the riches of this world with integrity, why should you 
be trusted with eternal treasures of the spiritual world. And if you've not been proven faithful with what belongs to another, why should you be given wealth of your own? It is impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. You will be forced to love one and reject the other. One master will be despised, the other will have your loyal devotion. It is no different with God and the wealth of this world. You must enthusiastically love one another and definitively reject the other. All right. Okay. So we've got a story here. And I'm going to give you a little context because this is important to kind of give you a prelude into that. All right. This is a story that Jesus is telling. And he immediately turns to his disciples and starts telling this. But let me give you a little bit of, of history about what's going on right before that. So if you go to the previous chapter, the 15th chapter, you find out that in this chapter we get three major, uh, um, major parables that Jesus uses to teach the people. Now, he's teaching everyone with these parables. So the first parable he uses is the parable of the hundred sheep. We were just talking a little bit about sheep. And he talks about the hundred sheep and one getting away. All right? And he says that the one that gets away, he's going to leave the 99 that are there, and he's going to go and grab this one that got away and bring him back to the fold. Now, he says this in a response because he's actually eating with the world. He's interacting with the world. He's healing the world. He's delivering the world. And when I say the world, let me make sure that I make a, a separation. He's talking to people who are Jews, but who are not, quote unquote, saved in our, in our format, how we would use it today. People that wouldn't be normal churchgoers, okay? These would be people on the job, people in the community, people that you see in every range of business or any other type of social environment. Jesus was interacting with them, and the scribes and Pharisees, the Pharisees would be more like your religious kind of snooty people, you know, they stuck up, you know, kind of stuck on their ways. You, you probably know a few that, you know, got a Bible verse for everything that you do, and every time that you do something, oh, you look like the world or this, that, and the other. So they were very judgmental, and they were judging Jesus in his interactions. And so this is what prompted him to provide this parable to teach them. So he establishes, I got 100 people that are in line. I got one that gets out of line. I'll leave the 99, and I'll go grab the one to bring him back to the fold. Then he transitions from that discussion to talk about a woman who has 10 pieces of silver. And he says she loses one of the pieces of silver, and she searches the whole house for that piece of silver. She is, she got nine other pieces, but she is so focused on that one that she searches the whole house top to bottom. And when she finds it, she's so excited that she throws a party, calls everybody over to celebrate the fact that she found the one. And he gives this as an example. Then he shifts and talks about one that we all know about, the prodigal son. And he starts educating about the prodigal son, the two sons who had their own birthright. And the one son, the youngest, who decided that I want mine early. Give me what you owe me. And the father lovingly gives it to him. 
he goes out. He wastes it, abuses it, riotous living. He finds himself in a pig, uh, a, a pig stable, and he is feeding pigs and thinking about eating their food. And he thinks, man, I should go back home with my dad. At least I can be a servant for him. The servants eat better than this. So he decides to go home. Before he can make it home, the father's out on the road, and he's looking for him. And as soon as he sees his boy afar off, breaks off in a sprint, runs, grabs the boy, hugs his neck, puts a robe on him, puts a ring on his fingers, puts sandals on his feet, and tell everybody, let's throw a party. You can see a consistent theme here. God is always out for the one that got away. He's always trying to show love to that person who just veered a little bit off course. So he comes after them with such a rage and such a love to try to impress upon them that he loves them or cares for them. So here's Jesus making sure that he puts these scribes and Pharisees in their proper place and helps them to understand what he's here to do. So he's using parables, but he's talking about his purpose, his purpose in the earth and what he was here to do. He was here to gather those that were lost. He was here to heal brokenhearted. He was here to set captive free. He was here to raise people up. He was here to heal lame. All of the conditions in life that you can find yourself in that we listed out earlier, that's what his job was. He came to make sure you had. So the issue that you have, the question that you have, it's not a, a question of whether God is here to do it. You want to think, does he want to do it? I can answer that question really quickly. Of course he does. He says in all of these parables leading up to this point that he will leave, a, he'll leave 99 strong sheep and get the one. That sounds crazy. If you run a business and you got somebody who just continues to go outside of the, the why would you leave your strong business and go grab the other? It's a picture of God's love. It's a picture of what Jesus is here to do. All right, so now we're setting this up. Here he comes now. And after he got all the scribes and Pharisees straight, he turns to his disciples. And he's having an important discussion with them. And here he tells this parable. And he talks about this rich man who has a manager that's sorry. Have you ever worked with a sorry coworker? Somebody that just do what they want to do on the job, do how they want to do, don't care nothing about what the manager says, try to pull you in every now and again, takes breaks all off, the, they don't care, right? Go for lunch where they want to go. Maybe even taking a little bit from the company, maybe sliding a little something in their pocket. Hey, maybe taking a little paper, you know, little utensils, little tools, you know. Maybe using something for their own personal purpose that was meant for someone else. Well, here we have one guy, and Jesus is talking about this guy. Now, I found it odd that Jesus would talk about this guy to describe what he wants his disciples to do. Because in every way, shape, and form, as we listen to the story, 
you got to think, what is the gall of this shady character that is just robbing people and ripping people off? Why would Jesus use a storyline to talk about how someone would do the wrong thing, but in the end be doing right? He's trying to bring us to a point of view, and we talked about what we want. Everybody wants something. You want something for yourself. Well, the funny thing about it is God wants it worse than you do. But what will you do to have what he said you're supposed to have, which is in line with what you want? So let's break down what this guy did. All right. So we know the storyline. So the guy grabs, the, he, he finds out, my manager's going to fire me. Manager t- tells him up front, you're fired. I'm going to fire you, and I'm coming to check your books. I want you to give uh, uh, an account. I'm coming to audit your books to see what you've been doing with my stuff. The guy immediately knows, man, I'm done. (laughs) Listen, I'm done. And he had the nerve to say, I'm so prideful, I can't even beg for my job back. I done did so much stuff, I know I don't even deserve to keep this job. So ain't no need for me wasting my time getting down on my... Have you ever done so much that real talk, you don't feel like you should really ask God for nothing? Have you been really honest with yourself, felt so guilty about the life that you've led that you really, you got down on your knees and prayed, but you really didn't. You really didn't ask for what you wanted because you already determined, man, I done lost this job. Bruh, he going to fire me. I might as well just do what I can to save the little hide that I got left. But he's done with me, bruh. How many times have we found ourselves in a position where we need something, but instead of going about it the way that you should to get it, You kind of just counsel yourself. Ain't no need. Because of the condemnation of your past. See, we've been talking a little bit about being beloved and having a beloved identity. And we've been talking about how we should view ourselves and how God views us. But it's something, because the truth of the matter is that most of us, we don't doubt the fact that God is good. But we look at him through the lens of our dirty life. And because of the fact that we have done so much wrong, we think that we actually deserve the end end result that's already been pronounced. So we heard termination, ending of employment. I did it. I ain't even gonna beg. The word beg means ask. The word ask is synonymous with pray. Many times you won't pray for what you really need because you have a problem with how you view yourself, not with how you view God. You believe that God is a giver, but you don't believe that you're built in his image and in his likeness and that you're a son or a daughter and should be able to receive. So what God wants to do is realign the focus. Now let's keep going. 
So dude says, um, I'm just going to go about it my own way. I'll fix this. So I'm going to reach out to these guys. Find a guy that owes 20000 20, straight. 20% off if you pay it today. He's putting money in the account, but it's not the money that was actually owed. But look at his, his, look at his business sense. I'm going to give this man something. Because ultimately, see, this tells you something about the, stu the, the manager. The manager had those relationships already built. He knew what his job description was, and he knew where he could get the money from. But he wasn't trying to do it in the proper way. So when the manager called for the account, it wasn't that he didn't know what to do the whole time or that he had just not known his job. It was that he had, on purpose, just not done it. He was a poor manager. He just didn't, I, didn't, he don't, I don't care. I'm just going to do things the way I do them. Many of us feel the same way. But Jesus uses this parable to talk about how he views the disciples and what the disciples should do. So now, he reaches out to the guy with 20. The guy with 20 gives him 20% off. Guy pays the bill. He puts the money to the side. He takes a little cut for himself. He gets favor from the guy. Because what he's really after is not just putting money in the account, but building the relationship. So he gives favor to the guy. The guy says, oh, that's the dude that gives me, gave me that deal. So I owe 20, but he gave me 20% off. I'm a remember dude. Right now, in your life, the tool that you need to use the most is the check that you receive. You've got money in your hand, and it's actually there to build relationships. But the problem is how you view yourself, because you view yourself from a light of a person who does, who I'm fired, that means that the source is cut off, I shouldn't get any more. Because of that thought process, you refuse to use money to build the relationships that are necessary. And that's what it's for. And see, a lot of times the enemy comes after your finances, not for the actual money, but to kill your confidence so that you will, you will stop putting it out there to build the relationship. And so what he's doing, he's attacking you right there so that you'll stop giving. The first thing that happens, and this has been statistically proven, in a time of drought or economic downturn, people stop giving. People, the first thing that you cut off is my giving. I got to pay my bills. I got to take care of the stuff that I got to take care of. I got to make sure my kids are good. I got to make sure I got gas in the car. God will have to wait. We cut our own supply off because we view things from a thought process that says that something is ended or terminated when in fact we are with an eternal God. And if we are like him and we are connected to him, then the supply never ends. But it's all in how you perceive something to be. If you cut it off, you're cutting it off right at the area where you're asking God to bless you. You're saying, how, how man of God, has this got to do with my sickness? Well, let me tell you something. The Bible says this about treasure. It says that if it's in your heart, where your heart is, that's also where your treasury is. Notice that my hand is balled up. This is cash in this hand. But it won't go further than my heart will allow. 
So if my heart is in a place that says that it's drought, that says that it's dead, that says that it's cut off, that says that there's no room for anything more, then guess what? My hand will never deliver the seed that may be the blessing that I need to get the healing or the breakthrough that I need. Because the point of the matter is, as we read, if you cannot manage this earthly thing called money, how can you be trusted with anything else? I'm trying to give you kingdom stuff like not just surgery or not just a house. I'm trying to give you an endless supply. I'm trying to give you eternity. You talking about being sick and I'm talking about walking around in so much health that you get to call your own shot of the day you leave here. I'm trying to get you to be to a place where you're not worried about the retirement because you've got so much money stocked and locked in the, because you just, you got so many relationships built. You got so much stuff packed back that you don't have to worry about a retirement. You can do what God says do. If he tells you to move to another area, you can move to another area because you're supplied by the God. I heard this. God is... God's name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. But we look at God as if he is limit. He has limitations on him. But the limitation is in us. Has nothing to do with God. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all you can ask or even think according to a power that works right in you. The issue is not the exceeding abundantly above all. The issue is what power is at work in me? What is turning over on the inside? Well, James said, if you tell me you believe something, I'm not going to necessarily believe that you, that you actually believe it unless I see you doing something that establishes what you believe. Because if you truly believe it, then your action will go in, in the same order with what you believe. So if you believe that God is a giver, he's an instituted cheerful giving. Because if you know that God can get it to you, then he can get it through you. The point of the matter is, is can he get it through you? Listen to what the writer said. If, Tristan, could you put back up? That last, I think, verse 13. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible for a person to serve two masters at the same time. Now, this was used another place in another scripture, and we like to use that one also. We talk about serving God and mammon. Same conversation, all right? You will be forced to love one and reject the other. The point here is that God is using what you love to show God's love to the world. So if the only thing that you do with your money is pack it in, the love of God can't be shown to the world. The issue with the steward was he understood in his business dealings the reason for the money he had. The money was not just about him. 
at that particular moment for the master. The money was about his future. So he looked at money from a standpoint of investment. And he understood that the best investment is people. And if I don't give to people, woe be unto me. So when you sit here with your fist clasped and you're asking God for something and you're confused as to why you don't see what you asked for, you have to understand that he can't get it in your hand because he can't get it out of your hand. He needs you to open it up. He wants you to be a funnel. He wants you to be a hose so that he can pour something through you to get to the world. He wants you to be a cup with no lid on it so that he can pour in what he needs to and the overflow can bless everything else. The issue that you're having is you think that God's supply is too short. Scripture says Philippians chapter 4. Verse, what is it, 19? Where it says, And my God shall supply all of your needs. Now, now check this out. I want you to understand something. First off, let's break these words down. Supply. The word supply in our English terminology thinks meat. Right? I got to supply what I need. Right? So that means I met the need. It's not so if you look it up in the Greek. That word supply doesn't mean meat. It means surplus. When he says supply, he actually is saying overflow. Let's keep going. So the next word that we point to in that particular verse is need. We good with all. We good with my. But when we get to that term need, again, we think from a limited perspective because we're earthen. So we think from an end point. But the word need, check out what it really means. It means businesses. It means that your need is not what's missing in your cupboard. It means that your need is an investment opportunity, is a business venture, is something that can produce wealth continually. The problem that you have is an idea away, but God will pour out an idea to somebody that he can trust with the idea to do the thing that God called you to do with it. Business is what the word need is. What did Jesus say? I must be about my father's what? Business. I'm looking at a sea full of entrepreneurs. You clock in and clock out at everywhere you go. But God has got so many businesses, plural. So many needs that he got in you. But if you would just believe it. See, Philippians... Let me tell you a little bit about Philippians. Philippians was a small place. They actually weren't very economically strong. Philippians didn't have a good port, so they couldn't get things in and out. They couldn't build commerce. But guess what they did? They were the church that funded Brother Paul's ministry.
So everything that Paul did, he did because the Philippians took care of him. And so in the fourth chapter, he says, you know what I'm going to do for y'all because of what y'all doing for the kingdom. I'm going to say that God is going to bless every business that you got and he's going to create an overflow that you never saw in your life. And you might be in a place that doesn't seem like it can make money, but I'm going to show you how to make money in a dry place. I'm going to bring a well to the desert. I'm going to bring something in that needs to be brought in because I create products. There's a business venture that you've been wanting. You've been asking God for a promotion, and he's been trying to promote you. Can he get your hand open? Can he get your limitation removed so that he can see beyond where you are currently? Can he get you to be pliable? Can he get you to view things from a context of future needs? You know, this raggedy manager understood one thing, and this is what Jesus said. He said, these sons of darkness, these jokers know how to take care of their future. And unfortunately, my house don't. The issue with the church is they don't know how to look towards the future. They're so heavenly minded that they ain't no earthly good. Everybody coming to see Jesus. Can't wait to see Jesus. People are waiting to see Jesus from you. And it is an extension of your hand. You want to see some stingy folk? Take a bunch of church people out. Watch the tip. One dollar, two dollars. Put it on the table. And look at you funny if you say something. You could have paid for their whole meal. They still, $1, $2. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given unto you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over. We, we should be some of the most giving people in the world. Do you know I've done this? God is, and I'm, I'm not bragging at all. This is the truth. Went into a restaurant. Waiter was nasty. God knows. Whew. She tempted every bit of my salvation. I mean, nasty, horrible disposition. Food come out cold, don't care. I'm sitting there talking junk now, because I'm, <laughs> I'm just being real. I'm talking junk to the people I'm meeting with, like, man, you know what? See, this right here. This is why folks don't get what they, I know she ain't making that much, but I was going to tip her good, and look how she acting. And the Lord dropped in my heart, give her this amount. Now, that ain't no tip amount. That's a meal amount, Lord. He said, uh-uh, give her this amount. I said, all right. Got to the end, wrote my little thing out, put my little tip up there, and then I wrote at the bottom, Jesus loves you. Put it down, and I was about to leave out. The woman came back to bust the table and broke down in tears started crying her eyeballs out. 
I looked and I saw that as an opportunity. So I walked over to her and I patted her on the back and I said, ma'am, I don't know what you're going through, but God laid it on my heart to give to you. Do you know that I stayed there for another 30 minutes ministering to that lady? We sat down in the booth. She told me our kid's situation, her husband's situation, what was going on, everything, how she was. See, you don't know what people are going through when they are treating you a certain kind of way. And if you do like what I was doing, get in my feelings and not allow God to use me. See, because he'll use what you have in your hand as a tool. But the issue wasn't giving her the money. It wasn't even a money need. It was an opening. It was an opportunity to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. It was an opportunity to share the love of God. I didn't even tell that woman where I went to church. It wasn't about all that. It was about getting her what she needed and letting her know that God heard her. That's what money is for. That's the purpose of money. Tristan, could you go to 2 Corinthians 8.24, please? You don't have to believe me. Scripture says, So demonstrate to them how much you love and prove that our boasting of you is justice. What this is saying is Paul is talking to the Corinthian church about giving to another church. And he's saying, they gave, and now it's an opportunity for you to give. But how you're going to demonstrate how much you love is by how much you give. If you love little, you're going to give little. If you love a lot, you're going to give a lot. Where your treasure is, where your heart is, what is that saying? What you give is a direct reflection of what you view the value of that thing to be. If you view God's kingdom as valuable, you'll give into it valuable. I know we always talk about tithe and offering. The fact of the matter is, is that God doesn't want to tithe. Don't beat me up. God wants your heart. He wants it all. He doesn't want 10% of anything. He wants 100% of who you are. He only gave a tithe to say this is to build a practice or a structure for what you should consistently do. That's all I ask you to do. The reason why tithe and offering should be the hypest moment in church is not because we just want to make sure that the lights are on or that we got nice stuff. It's for the fact that this is a reflection of a heart condition. And as we stand before the Lord, we say this is what we represent and this is what we think of you, God. When I withhold, when I strangle that, I prevent it from coming forward. Go to the go to uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 for me, please, sir. All right. So let's give you a little more information. 
All right. Now, I know I've been telling you all this, but I want to make sure that you know it. It's not for me. So, it's in the letter that he wrote. Yes, God is more than ready to overwhelm you with every form of grace. First off, who knows what every means? Does every have limitation? The word grace. The word grace means unmerited, undeserved. You can't earn this stuff, man. See, you look for your boss to give you a check, and you say, I earned that. I work citra citra hours, and I get paid citra citra dollars an hour. And that's my check. You don't earn grace. And this is what is being promised to you from God who is ready to overwhelm you with every, every grace. This means stuff that you did not earn. Houses you did not build. Land that you didn't have to go out there and work. Y'all still don't believe it. Do you realize that you're sitting in this right now? Do you realize that the church seat that you are seated in right now was not earned by anybody in this building? Not nary person here. I got a little country. Not nary person here earned this. That's why on the 31st, I plan... I don't even know if I'm wearing shoes, Doc. I plan on running and jumping all over this place because I'm walking in a blessing that I want for myself. I want God to prepare for me this same overwhelming grace. Anything that you need, business, anything that you need, entrepreneur, he is more than ready. Not getting ready. And I know we get, I can get real churchy right now. He's getting ready. He's getting ready. He's get, 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 getting ready. You didn't think I could do that stuff, did you? Yeah. See, I could do that. But that's not the point. He is more than ready. That means he's up there like this. I'm just waiting on you to line up, Doc. Can you please just get in the line? I got an overflow that's prescribed for you. I got so much to give you that it is going to pour out forevermore. I just need you to get in line so that you will have more than enough of everything, some things, everything, one thing, 
everything. Well, well, you know, Lord, I, look, 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 look. If you heal my high blood pressure, the limp I'll, I'll keep. Just, just, just do the... You sit there thinking that if you ask God for too much, the lights are going to go out in heaven. He is not broke, baby. He is ready to overwhelm you more than enough. And you up here bargain chipping with God. Perception. How do you view the giver that you serve? The title is I am giver. Who shall I say sent me? Say that I am that I am. What do you need? I am. Everything that you could ever ask for, I am. Every need that you can prescribe, I am. Every business venture, I am. Every hurt, I am. Every depression, I am. Every debt, I am. Every breakup, I am. There is nothing that you have that is outside of everything. Every moment and in every way. He wants to make sure you understand. <laughs> I can't, I can't write it no better. He's trying to make you understand that you couldn't mess this up if you wanted to, Doc. All I want to do is get it to you. Can you please just line up? He will make you overflow. This is not asking permission. He, you are not asking him. He wants to make you overflow. I'm just sad, man. I don't know why I can't. Overflow. Joy. There's nothing. Everything is everything. Name it. He will make you overflow with abundance in every good thing you do. Every good thing you do. What's the good that you can do? you can give the good that you can do is share the good that you can do is take what you have and give you don't believe it next verse just as the scripture said now see see paul is getting a little salty now he's tired of this just as the scripture says about the one who trusts in him because he has sown extra, I love that word, that TPT, man, I'm telling you, extravagantly and given to the poor, his kindness and generous deeds will never be forgotten. Next verse. This generous God who supplies abundant seed for the farmer, which becomes bread for our meals notice the farmer gets a, a generous amount abundant amount of seeds he gets that not so he can eat the seed so you thought your check 
was for your consumption. It's not true. Your check is seed. What you do with your check tells what you think it is. Now, you can live off of your check if you want to. He's not going to argue with you. But he would prefer that you lived off of his supply if you use your check as seed. The bread is what comes from the seed. The seed can, can, can turn into the wheat that can turn into the bread for our meals. It's a process. But you need to understand that this is even more extravagant towards you. God does this. He gives seed for, the King James says, seed to sower and bread for food. So it says not only does he give you seed to sow. A farmer, let's talk about a farmer, right? A farmer gets a harvest. Well, the farmer doesn't take the whole harvest and go back out and sow. He takes a portion of the harvest and he goes back out and sows to continue the continuation process. He takes a portion of the harvest and he goes and trades. Barter and trade system. I need this, you need that. He's building relationship. He goes and takes it to trade. Then he takes a portion of it and he says, this piece is what we're going to make our food with. And we're all going to eat off of this. So now you've got a portion that comes in that you're going to use to sow with. You've got another portion that comes in that you're going to use to build relationship with. And you've got another portion that you're going to eat off of. If you try to eat your whole check, where's the relationship building? Where's the sowing? See, the only way you get to your future is by sowing and by relationship building. If you cut off those two, you remove yourself from the equation. You become an island. Therefore, there's no reason to pour into you because I can't get nothing out of you. But if I can get it through you, I'll get it to you. So, it, it becomes bread for our meals. It is even more extravagant, I love that word again, toward you. First, he supplies every need plus more. <laughs> oh, God. Then he multiplies the seed as you sow it. Let me tell you something interesting about a seed. In an apple, you might have eight, maybe six or eight seeds. That's one piece of fruit. But that fruit doesn't multiply into another fruit. It, you get the seed from that fruit, and you plant the seed, and you get a whole new tree. Out of that tree, you get a whole new group of fruits. And in each fruit, you get even more seed. The multiply is continual. But you have to view it with the right perception. Because you folks can't be eating your seed when it's time for you to plant your seed. There are trees that are ready to be birthed. But I need a seed in the ground first. Can I have your seed? Can I have it? 
God is trying to give you a multiplied. Look at what he says. He says then he multiplies the seed. But, but check it out now. As you sow it. He didn't say as you hold it. He didn't say as you save it. He didn't say as you style with it. He said as you sow it. Sowing is giving. So that the harvest of your generosity will grow. The purpose is so that the harvest of your generosity will grow. Next. You will be abundantly enriched in every way as you give. There that word again. As you give generously on every occasion. For when we take your gifts to those in need, it causes many to give thanks to God. What happened in that restaurant? That girl gave thanks to God. She didn't give thanks to me. She gave thanks to God. That was a God thing. All I did was put a seed out. That's it. And that shows you that seed is not just sown in the church. That shows you that seed is not just sown in the church. We're not trying to ask you. You got to understand you're sitting in a place that you didn't purchase. Now, you should sow it in the church, too. Now, I'll tell you why. Because if you sow it in here, you're sowing it to sowers. So you got people who are going to give on your behalf. And it continues to be that harvest for you. So every time you give to the church, you put it in good stewards' hands, and they take that wealth, and then they put it back out. And so they sowed seeds on your, on your behalf. I told you I'm not on salary. You can't blame me for this. I promise you. It's, it's, listen, it ain't their fault. All right, let's go next. <laughs> check this out you don't understand what, what you're a part of when you give the priestly ministry <laughs> you are providing through your offering hold on did he say priestly ministry you mean to tell me you don't have to hold the mic to preach are you serious you don't have to be on a stage you mean to tell me the people don't even have to know your name When you give, you are partaking in the priestly. What, why did he say priestly? Priests were there to, to, to put a, um, it was like a, they were there to, to order the things of God or to, to take care of the house of God, right? To align the people with God. In other words, the priest's responsibility was to provide offering that would give you a temporary clemency or to make you righteous, okay? Now, all of that has been removed, right? We got Jesus now, right? So that means that the priest is gone. That means that all of us have the opportunity to do that same thing. Well, what's the point of that? The point of that is because you might not need the clemency, but somebody outside of those walls they need 
that clemency. So when you give, you are offering an opportunity. When you bless the ministry, you're offering an opportunity to get those people saved. To let God get in touch with them. You're, you're giving them that clemency so that they can go to the temple and they can worship God. Priestly offering. Through your offering, not only supplies what is lacking for God's people. All right, so it takes care of God's people too in their area of lack. But it also, it inspires an outpouring of praises and thanksgiving to God himself. So one more verse. I think it might be more than that. Keep going. Yeah. For as you extremely for as your extremely extremely generous offering meets the approval. Now this is this is gonna say in Jerusalem, but it's really not. It's, it's, it's talking about the church. In Jerusalem, it will cause them to give glory to God. All because of your loyal support and allegiance to the gospel of Christ as well as your generous-hearted partnership with them toward those who are in need. Go next. Because of this extraordinary grace, which God has lavished on you, they will effectually remember you in their prayers. One more, right? Praise God for his astonishing gift, which is far too great for words. I'll end right here. God wants to do a transition in you. He wants to bless you. In order to do so, we've understood he's trying to get us in alignment. To get us in alignment, he's not browbeating you. He's not trying to hurt your feelings. He's not trying to call you out. What he's trying to do is get you taken care of. You've got things that you've been asking God for. If you've got a need, you've got a seed. You have a seed. One thing I want you to understand, and, and, and you can go do this on your own time. If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, you'll see what led up to chapter 9 in that discussion. But the first thing that you'll find out is that when you're giving to God, the first thing that you, you give is not just your money. You give your time. You give your time. You give yourself. You give your resources. It's not just about your money. As I mentioned, God wants 100%. He wants it all. There was a song that used to say, he wants it all today. He wants it all. You could play, Ryan. Come on, play. He wants it all. He wants every bit of your whole entire heart, not a tenth. But he doesn't want it to hurt you. He wants it to bless you. It's funny, but you can give your way out of so much stuff and you don't know it. Sometimes God will give you an idea of a crazy seed. And you're looking for him to do something on this side. And you will say, it has nothing to do with my finance. And you're right, it doesn't. It has to do with your heart. And the things, the treasures that you hold, that's where your money normally falls to. God's trying to get your heart. Why is he using finances? Because in this earth, Finances tell you a lot. How you view your provision says a lot. That's why everybody don't get the money out of your check. You're very specific. 
give to God. Understanding that he is your provider. Jesus said, look at the birds. They don't work. They don't toil. But they're constantly taken care of. Look at the grass. Look at the flowers. They don't earn it. But Solomon in all of his glory, he's not clothed like them. What is he saying? What is he saying to you? He's saying to you, seek first the kingdom of God and all of his righteousness. And all these things will be added. He's trying to get things to you and through you. There's businesses that you have. I said businesses, plural, not just one. He just wants you to be a steward. Do you understand that God has no issue with supply? The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and all they that dwell therein. Why do you think God asked for a tenth when he owns everything? It's a matter of principle. It has nothing to do with the amount. It has to do with the principle. Will you consider him first? Will you give from that place first? Does he have your wallet? Does he have your heart? If he doesn't, just be honest and say, God, just nudge me back in line. Get me back in place. And he sent the word for that purpose. Get in place. Promotions are coming. All these wonderful things are coming. I could get up here and prophesy for days. I guarantee you we'll pack the place out. But that comes through obedience. Now, the giving opportunity, because I hate giving the word and not giving an opportunity, but the opportunity is coming. I encourage you, December 31st, and if you got to do it before then, can they do it online? If they have to do it before then, if they have to give a gift, is there anything set up for it yet? Okay. So as long as you make sure that you mark that it's for that purpose, that it's that offering, and I believe that they're going to be praying, praying over it to align with God. Now, I just showed you what the scripture said about it. God's desire is clear. His want to is there. So now it's on you. The ball's in your court. Take this opportunity and really take thought on what God would give what God would have you give and give from that place. Give from that place. Give from that place. It's a seed that you sow. Sow that seed and let God handle it. I'm going to do it. I hope you do it. I encourage you to do it. Thank God. Pastor, I'm done. God bless. Family, can we celebrate the word that just...
that just came forth. Pastor, I actually ask that you stay up here. Um, I usually don't do this. I usually just say, you know, let you, you know, close it out and whatnot. But I, I just, I sent something a little different from from this one. Um, <laughs> I felt the tight. I'll be honest. It was tight, but it was it was right. I felt the tight in me, and I felt the tight in the room. And I think with with that, what was what was being said, or what I could see happening spiritually, was is this stretching, stretching of how we view us, of how we view us, a stretching to know that there are businesses, there is acumen, there is intelligence, there is something beyond what is currently being seen within us, what has happened up to this point. And it's that I've seen it on social media, it's this small, this small kitten looking in the mirror and the reflection in the mirror is a lion I've seen I've seen that many times and in regards to where God has taken us in 2020 and the and the overwhelmingness that is already right now ready to be poured out not getting in motion as he said it's they're already there that messed with me something serious when he said that that there's something right now that God has hand on picture ready but there's something going on with me that as a good father will not give me more than what I can handle So what does that say for us that in this upcoming year, posturing ourselves as we need to posture ourselves, getting ourselves from a generous standpoint established in that way, shifting what we need to shift in our personal cultures so that what can be poured out can be poured out. And this is what I'll say too. Don't just attach this to cash. This is not just a money thing this is not just deeper pockets this is not just bigger bank accounts yes that is a part but this is about swelling you God making God making something more out of Jermaine because as Jermaine becomes more attached to that image that I've truly been called to be, everything else around me is going to be affected, which happens to include my bank account. So I just, I just, want, I just wanted to give that, give that to us as a last piece. I'm, I'm not one of them preachers try to get up and re-preach. I can't stand that when somebody does that, come up and try and reteach again because they want somebody to be seen. That's not me. Y'all know this is my first time doing this with, with, that, with that. But I just sense that this was a real family moment that we needed to bring, bring that in. 31st is coming. 
told you what I told you nobody's giving you an amount I'm not gonna do it I'm not gonna do it I'm gonna trust the God in you that you're gonna hear and you're gonna listen and you're gonna obey that's all we ask so I guess as I'm up here I'll, I'll, I'll dismiss everybody <laughs> go ahead and stand up go ahead and stand on your feet this was good this was good I've been challenged I've been enriched it was good. It was good. Thank you, sir. Thank you for being obedient. Lift your hands, please. Father, we thank you for the word that has been given. We thank you for the challenge that has been issued. We thank you, God, that we learned that much more about your generosity and the extravagant grace that is in you and how much of a giver you are. And we say thank you for that. I thank you, God, that you will cause us to be strengthened by this word and cause something absolutely amazing to happen within our week at this time until we come back together again. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. You're dismissed, family. We love you. Thank you. See you next week.